I'm Austin. I'm Alex. You're listening to One Last Breath, an autopsy of awful albums. Where we discuss controversial, bizarre, divisive, and downright abysmal albums. Today's album will be... Today's album. (laughs) Today's album. Today's episode. (laughs) Today's episode, uh, we'll be talking about the one big four thrash band we haven't talked about yet, Anthrax, and their eighth studio album, Volume 8, The Threat Is Real. Um, So Anthrax is the only member of the big four to not be from the Bay Area. Instead, they're from Queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they were formed on July 18th of 1981. Guitarists Scott Ian and Dan Lilker. Lilker, yeah. Lilker. And so. drummer Dave Weiss. Friendly members of the band with their initial lineup being completed by vocalist John Connolly and bassist Paul Kahn. Many other lineup shifts occur in the beginning, per the usual for a lot of these thrash bands. Um, the lineup that was settled for the release of Anthrax's first album, A Fistful of Steel, was Neil Turbin on vocals, Scott Ian and Dan Spitz on guitars. Dan Loker switchi- switching from guitar to bass, and Charlie Benante Benante on drums. <laughs> There's a lot of... I'm not good at names. Yeah, it's hard to pronounce. Um, Anthrax has befriended Z- John Zazula. They befriended <laughs> like John Zazula. I like how it has. Like it just, yep. like they, just, they just did it. Oh yeah, this is 1981, guys. Uh, so he was a New Jersey record store owner and founder of the new record, Megaforce Records. Uh, Megaforce had recently released Metallica's debut, Kill 'Em All, to success, so Anthrax gave Zazula some of their demo tapes. He liked what he heard, and Anthrax was soon signed to Megaforce. The seven-inch single of Soldiers of Metal slash Howling Furies was Anthrax's first release for Megaforce in 1983. Mentioned earlier, Fistful of Metal, released on January 6th of 84, was the group's full, first full-length effort. The album has received mostly mixed reviews, uh, with some seeing it as more of a traditional heavy metal album rather than the thrash that Anthrax would be known for. However, the first instance of music press using the term thrash metal was by, was by Kerrang! journalist Malcolm Dome referring to the track Metal Thrashing Mad. So they kind of invented the term thrash. Yeah, essentially. I mean, I I think their first album is good. The first time I heard it, I wasn't as big on it, but it's, I mean, it, I, I would consider it thrash. I mean, kind of in the way that not really Megadeth. I feel like Megadeth kind of already had the sound mm-hmm. established by the time their album came out, because theirs was 85. They were later to the game than the other uh, big four. But, like, Kill Em All and Show No Mercy by Metallica and Slayer, kind of how it's, like, it's thrash, but it's more leaning into tradition, like, heavily influenced by, like, Judas Priest yeah. and Motorhead and shit like yeah. that. Like, I would say uh, Neil Turbin is definitely, like, a Rob Halford wannabe i mean he's a good he was a good vocalist I, I don't think as good as joey belladonna that later joined anthrax but okay like it's good like i i listened to all their shit recently to kind of get the vibe like because i had only heard their first five albums up until this point uh and it had been a while since i've listened to this first one but it's some good shit i like it hmm. it's just kind of mm. like heavier speed metal type yeah. shit uh, my history with Anthrax is hearing the uh, Anthrax of Public Enemy song. Voice. <laughs> uh, you've heard Indians. And I've heard Indians. and um, Cotton Amash. Yes. you probably heard Madhouse. No. I, I guarantee you if you heard it, you would know it. Maybe. Um, uh, this is this is the most forgettable thrash band. <laughs> you think so? Anthrax is the most forgettable of the big four. I mean... Out of the big four, I agree. I don't know. I think they're... For me, I think Spreading the Disease and Among the Living, their second and third albums, are like 10 out of 10 albums in my book. Okay. Like, they're both really fucking good. Uh, I think you would like them if you listen to them. Um, but then even the two after that that still had Joey Belladonna on vocals, like they're all right to me. And then 
like I said, I just recently had listened to everything else, and pretty much all of it is just mid, in my opinion. Like, it's it's just kind of there. So, I mean, I would agree overall they are the most forgettable, but, I mean, they, they still got some bona fide classics in there. Yeah, I think so. Like, Public Enemy and Anthrax <laughs> bring the noise. I mean, yeah, that is a certified hood classic. It is a certified hood classic. <laughs> it is... The first seven tracks on my new playlist, songs that get white boys incredibly turnt when they're drinking lean. Oh, fuck yeah. Need to, need to take a gander at that playlist. It's just that song <laughs> seven times. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good entry. But yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I understand Anthrax being in the big four, and I think that they're deserving, because, I mean, the big four is just the four that sold the most records. Yeah, but like in terms of consistency, I definitely would argue like either Exodus or Overkill in my book replacing Anthrax. What about Testament? People, I mean, Testament's good. I like them. I just haven't. There's just something about them that I can't like get. Okay. In. Like I like I like a decent amount of their songs, but there's only one of their albums that I've heard. The New Order, I think, is one that I would actually choose to like listen to a lot, but. Exodus and Overkill, like, their first, like, good string of albums are, like, really, really good. Oh, so, yeah. I think consistency-wise, I would put one of them, too, in the place of Anthrax. But, that's just me. <laughs> uh, tune into next week's episode, where we uh, discuss the big four of other metal genres, such as Doom and Glam. <laughs> uh, so, shortly after the f- release of Fistful of Metal, Lilker was fired by Anthrax, which is good, because now I don't have to say his name again. <laughs> uh it was because he took 30 takes to record the bass track to an Alice Cooper cover, the song <laughs> I'm 18, which yeah. I've recorded music before. It is hard. It's, yeah, it's hard. But an Alice Cooper bass track... It, apparently it was only five notes the entire song. Like just, just Okay. Um, the same five notes over and over. I can understand. T- just... just like It's just the same five notes. Like it's one phrase the entire song. It's like bum, 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 bum. Yeah, but like, like it doesn't, obviously, it's not, I don't know what this fucking song sounds like. Yeah, like repeat it through the whole song. Yeah, just record it once and copy paste. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, Maybe you couldn't do that in the eighties. Yeah, they probably had some way of like splicing tape or something. Yeah, physically cutting the tape open, yeah. moving it around. Yeah, which I mean, if you can't record that, then <laughs> yeah, grow up, know. grow up a lilter, a <laughs> lilker. Yeah, lilker sounds like a fucking uh, like a mumble rapper, like lilker. Loker. Loker. <laughs> My name Loker. Um, so Charlie Benate's nephew, Frank Benates. Bello. Benate? Benante. Whatever the fuck his name Benante. is. Charlie The B Man's nephew. The B Man's Frank Bello was hired as his replacement. Loker, along with former anthrax singer John Connolly, went on to form fellow thrash band Nuclear Assault. Neil Turbin was forced out of the band later due to a couple reasons. Uh, one was because Ian and Benante wanted more songwriting control with Ian writing the lyrics and Benante writing the music. The other reason was because music journalist Eddie Trunk, who was John Zazula's apprentice, told Zazula that Turbin was the weak point of the band, which in turn made Zazula pressure Anthrax to continue without Turbin. <laughs> he was replaced briefly with Matt Fallon before ultimately being replaced by Joey Belladonna. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was like, damn, they really just fucking... I mean, it worked out for them because they got... You are indeed the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah I mean, they got, they got immensely more popular with Joey Belladonna, but... I was like, damn, I, I think he's he's a decent vocalist. I mean, if if not, like, generic-ish, but yeah. it's not like it was a screeching, like, oh my god, this is amazing, but the vocalist sucks complete ass. Like, he's... like a Vince Sevenfold, yeah. <laughs> damn, that's what most people say. <laughs> it's true, he's not, in Shadows is not good at vocals. 
I like it, though. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the line of Belladonna, Scott Ian, Dan Spitz, Frank Bello, and Charlie Benante is considered the classic line of Anthrax. This lineup recorded the classic album Spreading the Disease on October 30th of 85. Spreading the Disease has received critical acclaim and is considered a pioneering thrash record. It features one of Anthrax's most well-known songs in Madhouse. In addition to Be Joey Belladonna, the, the addition of Joey Belladonna was seen as a massive improvement over Neil Turbin. The band's major breakthrough came two years later on March 16th of 87 with Among the Living. It was their first album to go gold. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. For the album, Anthrax recruited legendary producer and engineer Eddie Kramer, um, who has worked with artists such as Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, and Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Kramer! <laughs> they sought out to achieve a dry and organic sound that would be comparable to the sounds of their live shows. The album was praised on all fronts, with critics pointing out the songwriting, mix of serious and humorous lyrics, and the contrast of Belladonna's soaring high-pitched vocals with the fast and aggressive instrumentation. Although this was Anthrax's big break, they did get a lot of hate from metal elitists at the time for their style, as the as they <laughs> as they opted to often wear shorts and graphic tees with commercial or punk band logos, as opposed to the denim and leather look of most other thrash bands. Also controversial was the band's love and endorsement of hip hop. Uh, the track, the single release of I Am The Law from Among The Living released a hip-hop B-side titled I'm The Man. <laughs> it's largely a parody of the Beastie Boys, whom Anthrax were fans of. Anthrax also appeared on the title of Brooklyn rap group UTFO. These choices by the band as well as Scott Ian wearing a Public Enemy shirt on stage and for promo shoots caused, caused Public Enemy to shout out Anthrax in their 88 single Bring The Noise. This all culminated in 91 when Public Enemy and Anthrax went together to write what is possibly the most important song in new metal history <laughs> bring the noise uh which is a very pivotal moment in bringing the two genres together uh anthrax's fourth album state of euphoria was released on september 19th of 88 to lukewarm reception the band themselves feel like the album was rushed and not at the par with spreading the disease or among the living next came persistence of time in august 21st of 90 features a more mature side of Anthrax, largely abandoning their penchant for humor and lyrical matter based on novels and comic books, instead opting for lyrical themes of tolerance and peace. Which is really fucking weird for Thrash. What, tolerance and peace? Tolerance and peace. Uh, I mean, yeah. Other Thrash albums. Here is a eight-track album about the Holocaust. <laughs> Anthrax. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> Love you, brother. I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm, I can't really think of any other... Thrash. It's, I feel like it's usually either about war. I mean, it's like from an anti-war standpoint, but it's still yeah, like the like, horrors of war. Like one and all of Raining Blood. Yeah. And decent amount of other Or it's about Metallica like mental stuff. illness, like um, everything Megadeth has ever released. Yeah. But yeah, Megadeth touches on war a lot and government. Yeah. Thrash is basically war scary, government bad, and... I love beer and pizza. <laughs> Dale Gribble is really the embodiment of thrash. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess that is kind of, I mean, but with that too, I mean, why Anthrax vocal or uh, lyrics were before Persistence of Time was also pretty out of the norm for thrash. I mean, they have like fucking five songs that are based on Stephen King books and like they, about comic books, like Judge Dredd, I Am yeah. The Law is about Judge Dredd. A lot of like humorous, like we mentioned, lyrics and shit like that. So I mean, Anthrax overall, for the most part, at least like the early stuff, was pretty out of the norm for uh, for thrash music. Which, They're a weird thrash band. Yeah, which I, I respect them for. Yeah, 
that got Metal Elitist mad, <laughs> at least back in the day. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> um, this also this album also featured a more progressive side of Anthrax, toning down the thrash for more explorative sounds. These changes to the band's formula were met with supporters and also detractors. In '92, after signing a deal with Elektra Records, Joey Belladonna was fired from the band for Daredevil. You know, because Elektra. Oh, I was, like, I was very confused. I was like, what? Electra is the other, oh. the other failed Marvel movie that came out alongside the failed Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. There was an Electra movie? Yeah, there was an Electra movie. It had, um, How did I not know that? It came out around the same time as Daredevil? Yeah, like a year or two later. It was supposed huh. to be set. That was like the, like, they the were first to... attempt at the MCU was Electra, Daredevil, and uh, that Hulk movie, I think. Yeah, I've... I mean, I've remembered watching Daredevil and the Hulk movie, like, all the fucking time yeah, as kids. Yeah, we had one on VHS. Yeah. Well, I had Daredevil, you had Hulk. Yeah, but I did not. Who played Elektra? Um, God, who played Elektra? I, huh. I literally just closed out my web browser <laughs> because I forgot. Oh, my God. Let me uh, pause for processing. <laughs> pause. But, yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I never thought of that or never knew about that. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was released in 2005, and it was Jennifer Garner. Oh, oh, wait, no, I have heard of that. I don't know who any of the people in this movie are. You don't know Jennifer Garner? She no, was in, uh, you've seen Juno? Yeah. She was the mom in Juno. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's been in a lot of shit. She's a really good actress, I like her. Okay, yeah, she huh. played Electro in, uh-huh. in 05. I believe the Daredevil movie was like 04. Yeah, and the Hulk, and Hulk movie was, was like 03, 03, yeah. yeah. Damn, I want to watch those now, because fucking Hulk was awesome as a kid, and yeah, so was the uh, Daredevil movie, I thought. This is still off topic, but that Hulk movie is actually considered part of the MCU. I thought the one from 09 is. They both are. Oh, the really? The one from 09 is a direct sequel to the one from 03. Huh, I've never seen the 09 one. That's like one of the few. Uh, it starts, so in the 03 one, remember he like flees to South America? Yeah. The 09 one starts with him in South America. It's a different actor, obviously, yeah. but it's a, it's like it directly continues... The plot from the 03 Hulk movie. Yeah, the 09 one's Ed Norton. Yeah, and the and 03 I don't know one who 03 is, is. I don't remember. But yeah, then they just randomly were like, no, nah, Ed Norton, we're going to get Mark Ruffalo. And then <laughs> that's how it's been in the MCU. Yeah, it's the MCU's weird. Yeah. But this is not an MCU podcast. <laughs> um, so Belladonna was fired over creative differences. Several vocalists auditioned for his replacement before the band settled on an armored saint vocalist, John Bush. No relation to George. A little bit of a relation. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> the result in the studio of the new vocalist was May 25th of 93's album Sound of White Noise. John Bush brought an alternative rock vibe to the band for this release, and his lower-pitched style of singing brought out a new side of Anthrax. The album was met with positive reviews, but still the band's highest charting release to date, peaking at number seven on the Billboard. Which I thought was pretty crazy, but I guess it makes sense since that was their first release on like a major the record label. first release label. on a major record label. It was also their first release that was like a major genre. Yeah. Because thrash is not a radio genre, really. Like you have Metallica. Yeah. Um, and like Megadeth got some radio play. Yeah, like here and there, yeah. But, yeah, but I guess it makes sense. I just think it's funny that it's like the pretty much unanim- unanimously agreed on best vocalist in Anthrax leaves, and then they immediately have their highest success of an album. Yeah, it's, I just think it's, it's a weird. little fucking wild. Um, but Dan Spitz then left the band in 95 to pursue a career in Swiss watchmaking. Yeah. He apparently has been very successful doing so. Oh, has he? Yeah. That reminds me of, this is a, this is also off topic, but the band Jefferson Airplane. Okay. Um, so it was either the first time they broke up or after they broke up Jefferson Starship. Mm-hmm. One of their breakups was because, obviously, there was a lot of, like, Fleetwood Mac-esque fucking in the band. Oh, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Wasn't um, there, like, fucking... I mean, it was just, like, a revolving door of members. 
Yeah, but they had like yeah. their, their like like Grace Slick and a couple yeah. others were like the big like steady members. Yeah. Um, but Grace Slick and one other member of Jefferson Airplane Starship, whatever band it was, uh, quit the band to pursue a career in Scandinavian speed skating. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> um, I don't think they did very good because they eventually went on to form another band with the same members. Okay. Yeah, wasn't there like a weird? Was it their Jefferson Starship and then just and then Starship? just Starship, yeah. Which one did we built the city? I want to say that was Jefferson Starship. Okay. And Jefferson Airplane did White Rabbit. Yeah, because, I mean, Jefferson Airplane turned into Starship, didn't they? Yeah, Jefferson Airplane turned into Jefferson Starship after a breakup, and then Jefferson Starship turned into Starship after a breakup. Yeah, Jefferson Airplane did, like, White Rabbit, and uh, they have one other song that I know. I don't know. I, I, I was friends with someone in high school who was obsessed with Jefferson Airplane. That's why huh. I know this. Interesting. Um, but he's he's a good watchmaker. Yeah, apparently he has a he has had a very successful career in good, Swiss watchmaking. Good for Mr. Spitz. <laughs> After his departure, Anthrax's seventh studio album, Stomp Four Four Two, was released on October twenty fourth of ninety five. Guitarist Paul Crook, who's known for his work with Meatloaf, <laughs> took over lead duties, although not being credited as an official member of the band. Also featured guests on the album were Dimebag Daryl, Mike Tempesta, and Zach Throne. Yeah, I don't know who either of the second two are. <laughs> I've never heard of Dimebag Daryl. Oh yeah, who the fuck is that? <laughs> um, the album was mostly met with negative reviews, with most finding it generic and uninspired. And now we get to today's album. Volume 8, The Thread is Real, released on July 21st of 98. Anthrax made the move to label Tommy Boy for this release, after they believed Elektra had underpromoted Stomp 442. Uh, this sort of a smaller-scale Slayer-esque move is Tommy Boy is mainly an EDM and hip-hop label, launching the careers of artists such as Queen Latifah, Coolio, and De La Soul. Just like Stomp 442, Dimebag Daryl does some guitar solos, and Paul Crook appears again, however just for guitar solos this time rather than lead guitar. Phil Anselmo also does some backing vocals on the song Killing Box. I, I didn't catch that. I, I did not either. <laughs> um, I typed this all up after I had already listened to it, and I forgot to go back. Yeah, I don't... It's, pro it's probably just some little background screams or something. <laughs> there was one song that had, like, screaming in it, which I felt was kind of weird for Anthrax. Mm. That may have been Phil and Zemo. Yeah, possibly. Um, the volume made is frequently placed at the bottom of music outlet and fans' ranking of Anthrax's discography, and currently holds the lowest score for an Anthrax album on Rate Your Music at 2.53 out of 5. Which, in, in the scale of stuff we talk about and listen to... Yeah, it's not, it's not, not that bad. Not too bad, but... If anyone remembers, we said we were going to listen to the two lowest-ranked albums from all the big four and then do a big um, ranking of them, like a, you know, a little mini-episode ranking them. Yeah, just because it, it seems like a fun thing to do. Yeah, just because there's been some very, very low points. I mean, namely Megadeth and Metallica. <laughs> namely Metallica. Yeah, they're, they're the big outliers. Because we've already listened to Megadeth's worth album, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, and it was... I, I believe I remember us giving it a pretty positive score. Yeah, we both liked it, but I mean, in the grand, I mean, it had, it had shit reviews, so. Yeah. Yeah, but, and then, I mean, Anthrax probably, if I had to guess, probably has the best, lowest two scored albums of the four. It's because no one listens to Anthrax. <laughs> yeah, that could have something to it's do with it. It's because they are the least known member of the big four. Yeah, I guess that could have something to do with it. But... I, I bet you anything that my wife has never heard an Anthrax song. Hmm. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I bet you your wife had not heard an Anthrax song until you were like, you're listening to this Anthrax song. Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> but everyone's heard Metallica, everyone's heard Slayer, everyone's heard Megadeth. Yeah, very true. 
Anthrax is a weird, it's, it's a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stephen Thompson of the AV Club gave the album an unfavorable, unfavorable review, stating, It's just another overblown, humorless hour of chunky riffs, machine gun drumming, and generic vocals. Sure, it's aggressive to the point of being exhausting, but that's just as much a result of the jarring monotony as the band's flailing energy. On the contrary, Martin Popoff gave the album a 7 out of 10 in his book, Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal. Remarking how the band included a bit of everything on this release, including multiple speeds, humor scattered here and there, big grungy guitars, meat and potatoes, riffing and roaring vocals from Bush, while experimenting with some of the different textures and dynamics. This result is not just an accessible thrash metal record. It is typical with Anthrax. Um, after Volume 8, Anthrax released one more album fronted by John Bush. We've Come For You All on May 6th of 03. They moved to label Nuclear Blast. Now that's a fucking label name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nuclear Blast is one of those uh, classic labels, which always, which is funny because uh, you know how earlier the two of the members went on to form Nuclear Assault. The band I used to get those two confused, like when I was like getting into metal. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I would, I thought Nuclear Assault was a label, and then I was like, wait, that's a band, and I was like, oh, Nuclear Blast. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also recruited guitarist Rob Caggiano to become a five piece again. I've heard the name Rob Caggiano. Yeah, I feel like he was in something else. He's been in a lot of stuff, so well, yeah, I, I had heard the name before as well. Like, I, I think he's kind of one of those guys that just has jumped around to a bunch of different metal okay. bands, yeah. kind of just randomly filling in. He's kind in. of a fixer. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, the album was re- well received by critics, with some claiming it as a return to form for Anthrax. In 05, the classic lineup returned for a tour and played Among the Living in its entirety. The lineup was supposed to record a new album after the tour, but Belladonna ended up leaving again. In 07, John Bush was asked to rejoin, but said he didn't feel right doing so after Belladonna leaving again. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> Dan Nelson, formerly of Devil Size, was recruited for vocals. Dan Spitz also left again, causing Rob Cagliano to return. <laughs> In 2009, Dan Nelson departed due to either illness or being fired. It's disputed. Yeah, <laughs> it's disputed. John Bush rejoined for some shows. However, he decided he did not want to commit to the band full time. And Joey Do- <laughs> Joey Belladonna came back. <laughs> the bitch came back <laughs> the very I... next day. I would be confused as a band member at this point. <laughs> yeah, I would be confused as a fan, as someone who does not listen to Anthrax. I have forgotten all of these names already. Yeah, can you just imagine like? In that span from like 2005 to 2009, it's like, if you go, it's like they come to your city like each year, it's like it's just a different fucking vocalist every single time. It's not only a different vocalist, it flip flops between the same two vocalists. Yeah, then the two guitarists flip flop and all that shit. It's like, it's like a slipknot, except they're not wearing masks so you actually notice. <laughs> Slipknot's not really change members that much. Well, they had a weird owl play. Weird what? Weird owl played in Slipknot once. Weird Al played in Slipknot. Yeah. Uh, there's a famous story that Weird Al was in one Slipknot concert. I don't know what he did. Huh. Um, and also, um, Dave Grohl played in a tour for Slipknot. Yeah, I think I heard that one before. Which, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, if they wear masks, so it's not like anyone yeah. fucking, like, they could just randomly have... Like, I think I think the drummer was sick, or maybe his, his uh, wife was having a kid or something. Joey Jordan like, Yeah, there's like, hey, Dave Grohl. You step in, and of course, Dave Grohl is a very talented musician. It's like a fucking savant. <laughs> so, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I have heard that, but I did not know Weird Al. He probably was one of the trash can people. Yeah, I think he just played one show. Yeah. Um, 
That's hilarious. It's so funny. Speaking of that, side note, we, we need to watch the fucking Weird Al movie together. That The biopic? Oh yeah, I've seen it. You've seen it? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe plays yeah, it? Yeah, have you not seen it? No, because I remember it came out like last year and I remember telling you like, oh shit, we need to watch this and then we never and did. We just never, I think it was, um, I think it was just on one of my streaming services one day and I huh. had nothing else to watch. Damn, yeah, I, I completely forgot about it. So it's pretty now, good. Huh. It's pretty good. Um, so Joey Budonna came back into the picture and this resulted in the album Worship, Worship Music on September 12th of 2011. One day away from a 10-year anniversary. <laughs> it received positive reviews, with most feeling it recaptured the old magic Anthrax had with Belladonna. In 2013, Rob Caggiano left Anthrax to join Volbeat. That's where I know him from. I've seen Volbeat live. Oh, yeah. So, that's where I, I, I was really into Volbeat for, like, six months. Yeah. They, they were weird. They randomly had, like, a big surge in popularity around, like... Around that time, like 2013 yeah. Like, I feel was, like people um, thought they were going to be the next new metal band, and then they just kind of... I saw them two year, a year later in 2014, so okay. I would have seen them with uh, Caggiano. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's. I think he was in them until, like, last year or this year. Like, he just recently left Volbeat. Yeah, Volbeat's really good, um, but yeah, they just randomly came out of nowhere. Yeah, like, I, I feel like people thought they were going to be the next... Kind of like how Ghost is now. Like, how Ghost is, like, the... The metal band right yeah, now. Yeah, but the like, thing is, Volbeat was good. <laughs> I still have never listened to Ghost. I don't like Ghost. I just hear pe- people either, like, are fucking obsessed with them, or people think that they're the worst thing ever. I, don't, I don't like Ghost. I also don't like, um, that other band that's like, did you mistake me for a sign from God? I have no idea. God, they're like a TikTok metal band. I don't know. I think the kids are wrong. <laughs> Maybe Spirit Box? No, not Spirit Box. Because I was about to say, they're, they're big now, but I don't know. Zone. I don't know anything about Spirit Box. Um, so, Ron Caggiano left doing Volbeat, and Jonathan Danois of Shadows Fall was hired <laughs> as his replacement. Uh, there was a while when I was younger where I used to always get Shadows Fall and Sense of Stale confused. <laughs> I can see that. Which is because I'm a Sense of Stale fan. I've never listened to Shadow Fall. You've, they had that one song on Guitar Hero okay. that you would... I think it was in uh, World 5. It was in Guitar it was Hero in 5. five. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty. They're kind of like a melodic death metal band, kind of in the same vein of Children of Bodom type okay. stuff. They're a good band. Uh, similarly, received as worship music is the band's most recent album, For All Kings, released on February 26th of 2016. That was almost a birthday present to me. <laughs> uh, the 12th album has been r- rumored on and off since Twin Tight. Twin Tight. Twin Tight. Since 2017, with most recent news from April 23 with Charlie Benante, hopeful for a 2024 release. And that's where we are now. That's a very long time between albums 2016 i was still in fucking high school in 2016 i was a senior in high school yeah now now 2023 and we're real adults for whatever reason yeah who the fuck knows why <laughs> but yeah so any opening thoughts for volume eight? um i like grunge yeah agreed i'm, I'm a fan of grunge do you think this is very grunge leaning <laughs> i think this is a grunge album yeah, I think it's, I think it's mainly an alt metal album with moments that lean very grunge and very new metal. Yeah, but for the most part, I feel like it's an alt metal album, kind of, kind of maybe around the vibe of like, I can't think of anything like from the '90s that I would compare this to, but maybe along the lines of like Three Days Grace. Yeah, it's kind of three days crazy. Or um, there's kinda. also some shine down moments in it. 
there's some stained moments too. There's some parts where I was like, this sounds like fucking uh, stained. <laughs> so yeah, this is a pretty grungy alt metal album. New metal ish. Yeah, yeah, kind of kind of stays in those lanes. It's very fucking nineties. Yeah, it's um, kind of Diabolus and Musica by Slayer, but the light version. <laughs> <laughs> the decaf version. The Diabolus and Musica we have at home. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's not as aggressive as that. It's kind of that toned down. It doesn't push as many envelopes. It's... And plus, also, it sounds nothing like Anthrax's earlier shit, which is opposite as Diabolus and Musica, because it pretty much is... Sounds... It just sounds like Slayer trying to do something different. Yeah, like, not, not as good Slayer, but still, like, good Slayer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, get, we start with Crush. Um, unfortunately not the song from Sonic Adventure. <laughs> or not the, uh, Crush, Crush, Crush by Paramore. <laughs> yeah, um, this is just a song by Anthrax. Which, it's a pretty solid album opener, I'd say. Yeah, it's alright. It's kind of, it's really fast-paced and, like, is mostly just a pummeling drum line. Like, yeah. I think just really all played on the toms. Like, it's just kind of like a do 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 Which is, like, something Anthrax is known for. Because, like, Indians is just a, like, the famous part of Indians is the tom fill. Yeah, exactly. But it's not as memorable memorable as that, and neither is the guitar riff. It's just kind of a basic alt-metal-sounding guitar riff. Um, then after that, which is, that kind of takes up the entire verse sections of the song. Mm-hmm. Like, every verse just follows that blueprint. And then um, right after all that, we get a brief chorus that kind of goes into, like, what I would say is a Pantera-esque drum beat. Yeah. Like, a pretty slow... I mean, it's just, like, a basic, like, doom type of drum beat but it kind of has that pantera vibe where it's like a slow groove. yeah it's a very vinnie paul yeah very vinnie paul moment and then um then it goes into an actual chorus but i would say that pre-chorus part is probably the most memorable part of the song and the best part of the song um, there is a pretty cool drum solo that i notated okay i noticed um but other than that yeah it's just it, it, it's a song legally yeah. Yeah, <laughs> legally, it can be considered a song, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much just the formula for the entire song, like... And honestly, for the entire album. Yeah, um... There's a, there's a few highlight parts. Yeah. But mostly the album is just this and different flavors. Yeah, and also, uh, I forgot to mention in my opening thoughts, John Bush, for most of this album... I, if you told me that that was M. Shadow singing, I would fucking believe you. Which is a callback to what we were saying about it. Like, does he not sound like... Yeah. I mean, M. Shadow sounds like him, but... Yeah. It was so weird. Like, I was not expecting it. Um, It's like, there's, there's kind of, there's like subtle differences in their vocal style, but especially whenever he does like that kind of higher, like vocal fry yelling thing, like holding out a note. That mm-hmm. M Shadow does, like it sounds exactly yeah, like it's it. Very M Shadows, and even like I mean, any any way that his voice is, is it just sounds like M Shadows is a copy of John Bush. Like I don't know if if that's where he got his inspiration for singing. I don't know. It's just very weird. I was not expecting it. Yeah. Um, after that, we get to Catharsis, which just sounds like a Foo Fighter song, but about five minutes long. <laughs> this one is actually uh, probably. I mean, this definitely is one of the highlights for me. Like, this oh yeah, is, it's one of the, it's a good song. It's yeah, just so long. Yeah, it is. It is pretty long. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, it's kind of a hard rock song, pretty much, with sort of a punky flair to it a little bit. But uh, it's definitely fit, fit for the radio. Like, it's just a 
like at the most alt metal song, but I would say even more tuned to hard rock, alternative rock. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the vocal lines in the song. Like, there's a lot of really catchy, catchy parts in the verses, a very catchy chorus. Um, we also get our first solo of the of the album, and it's a decent one. It's pretty brief, as are most of the solos on this album. Like, yeah. There's not really any crazy shreddy solos. It's mostly like lead. There's solos. one crazy shreddy solo, but that was probably Dimebag. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, pretty much all the solos on this album are just kind of just there. They all make you think, oh, I didn't know Anthrax had that. But then you learn that Anthrax didn't have that. They hired other guitarists to come do that for them. Yeah, which is weird because, I mean, Anthrax, out of the big four, I would say have the least amount of, like, crazy solos. Like, I, Megadeth is definitely the one Yeah, Megadeth band. is the craziest solos. Yeah, they have the, like, most technical Yeah, it's solos. Megadeth, then Metallica, then Slayer, then Anthrax. Yeah, because Metallica also kind of has those, I mean, Kirk Hammett likes to do the wah-wah thing yeah. a lot, and then Slayer's solos are just kind of sounding like you're descending the hell, like they're just fucking, <laughs> Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King are just kind of playing random shit at the same time, overlapping each other, yeah. just chaotic. And then Anthrax's are more in tune with, like, punk solos, yeah, like I would punk say. Solos. And there's a couple <clears throat> of those in this album where it's just like, we're playing octaves. Yeah, but it's even, it's even less less than their earlier shit like it's just <laughs> on this album is, is even less of solos in their early shit so most of it's not not that noteworthy um then we get to inside out which uh i wrote down sounds like a tool song but not as douchey yeah i can see tool as a comparison for this one i was trying to think of something it's kind of some of it sounds like stained to me <laughs> like there's a uh like i was saying there's a um i think it's like the pre-chorus has like that really post-grunge yeah. feel to it and then the chorus sounds like actual grunge like it kind of sounds like alice in chains rip off but then there's also like new metal parts that are thrown in there where he's like screaming and it kind of kind of sounds like Diabolus and Musica, like yeah. the tone, the tone Tom, Tom Araya was going for on that album. Um, and it also starts off with, a, with an acoustic intro, so it kind of hits all the fronts. Like, there's there's kind yeah. of a lot going on in this song. It, it really just tries to do everything, and I think it does it pretty okay. <clears throat> yeah. The song gets me moving. Yeah, I like this one. This is also one of the highlights. Um, and this one actually has a solo that I liked. It starts off kind of kind of lame, like you're, you're thinking, okay, like they're just going to do another, like, 30 second mini this lead solo uh but it actually kind of picks up as it goes but yeah i mean overall it's a good song i think kind of touches on a lot of the metal trends of the 90s yeah it, it feels like the 90s wrapped into one song yeah uh, and also like <clears throat> predates and kind of shows hey here's what the 2000s are going to sound like yeah <laughs> um then we get to pmv uh which is really boring yeah, didn't do anything special. Yeah, that's that's my exact notes. It just meddles in the same tempo and vibe for the entire song. It's just kind of like a formulaic dad rock song. Like, yeah. <laughs> it also has some cowbell in it. It does have some cowbell. So, I mean, when you have cowbell, what else can you really expect besides formulaic dad rock? Um, yeah. And <laughs> Except get... for Fear the Reaper. That's like the only song that can pull off cowbell. <laughs> True. It needs more cowbell, though. Yeah. Um, then we get to 604, which is what, like a 40 second track? Yeah, it's just like a little interlude solo. It is a really shreddy solo. Like, it kind of sounds like old Anthrax. Yeah, um, the rest of it's really repetitive. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it doesn't ever stay as welcome, so I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a little little interlude. I have a kid. Oh, God, I forgot about this song. Uh, <laughs> Toast to the Extras. Yeah. Which is a fucking cowpunk song. Yeah. Yeah, Anthrax doing country. <laughs> 
Um, it's it's really well done for what it is. Yeah, I think music wise, it's well done, but John Bush's vocals just do not fit at all. Like yeah. in in the uh, in the chorus, the vocals are a little better, but the yeah. verses just sound very awkward and forced. Like he's doing this weird, like he's trying to be country, I guess, in the verses. But in the chorus, it actually sounds like his voice, so it sounds yeah. a little better. Um, but also, I mean, there's only one guy that can do cowpunk vocals. It's the guy from Social Distortion. Yeah, Mike Ness, I think is his name. It's just him. Yeah, just him. <laughs> he is him. <laughs> Hello, him. Mike, Mike Ness is him. But yeah, I mean, and uh, this is really the only song that gets the image of M. Shadows out of my mind, <laughs> because... Yeah. We already know if Shadows can pull off country. Uh, see, dear God, from the yeah. from Shadows can pull off country. Yeah, um, yeah, John, yeah John Bush cannot. <laughs> it was really cool seeing them step out of their comfort zone, but then they do something really fucking weird, where they end the song, and then there's a second song on the track. Did they do that? Yeah. Okay. There's a second song on the track, and it's like an experimental space instrumental yeah. with theremin and shit. Okay, yeah, I forgot to get, I forgot to note that. Yeah, you're right. It's I, really weird. I was like, okay, cool, the track's over. What's next? Like, why is there three fucking minutes left? Yeah, it's just like in kind of ambient, like what, what were you saying? Like uh, space rock. Space rock. Yeah. It's really fucking weird. Like I'd expect that at the end of an album. Yeah, that that would make sense. But yeah. this is what track five. Yeah. Yeah, very weird choice. I, I don't. I, anthrax, what the fuck? I mean, that, that wouldn't come across weird on like a tape or a vinyl. You'd be like, okay, whatever. There's just another song here. Yeah. But I mean, I guess this was made for CD. But like, mm. yeah. Even then, how often would you notice? Oh, the song hasn't changed over yet. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just make that its own song, like to be an interlude. Or, I mean, they honestly probably could have turned that into its own song, like actually. Because, I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't have lyrics or anything, if I yeah, recall. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just uh, instrumental with yeah. theremins and shit. Yeah, and it's also a very weird choice to put it after the country song on your album. Like, I don't know. Very weird choice. It's it's very goofy. I, if I could ask someone to answer one question, it'd be, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this, dog? Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that little little diversion does not lead into the next track born again idiot at all like no not, not at all we just pick up with another song that is just mediocre alt rock hard rock butt rock like a little more what you'd expect from anthrax i think uh than yeah. some of the other songs on the album yeah it has some pretty cool double bass parts about halfway through and that's about really the only thing i know even the solo on the song is just kind of whammy bar masturbation i like, like the solo a lot on the song it's all right. I, I like Whammy Bars a lot. Yeah, this one, it kind of feels a little overdone on this song. Like, it feels like it's just Whammy Bars. It's just like, whoa, 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 I'm a big <laughs> fan of Whammy Bars. <laughs> Sounds like me on Guitar Hero when I'm trying to fill up my star power. <laughs> I'm just, like, slapping the fuck out of the Whammy Bar. <laughs> yeah, it has, like, some dive bombs. And, like, I... Yeah. As someone who whose guitar, like, guitar idols uh, for most of my life were Sinister Gates and Dimebag Daryl, I really fucking like dive bombs. Yeah. Dive bombs are cool. Yeah. Dive but. bombs do it for I don't your solo could be shit. <laughs> you hit a dive bomb, I'm like, ooh. You're like, God damn. God damn. <laughs> Who let this get cooked? <laughs> let him cook. And then we go to uh Killing Box, which is the one that has Phil Anselmo, but I I didn't catch it. Don't um, remember it. Yeah, pretty much everything that I said about Born Again Idiot applies here, but minus the 
cool double bass part, so it's even worse. <laughs> I like the song. I thought it was really funky. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it does. It's kind of a groove metal song, which I mean yeah. makes sense. And it's but... got some more of those space noises. They use some theremin in this bitch. Oh, it does have some space noises. Yeah, it has some space noises. Okay, I, don't I noticed some that. space noises. Um, okay. I really like this song, and I think the solo is really weird, but really fits into the composition as a whole. Okay. And really ties it together. Okay. Well, I'm glad you you got more out of it than I do because I was just like, eh, yeah, this I is. I like killing bucks. This is pretty boring. <laughs> maybe someone tell him to play the guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> And then we go to uh, Harm's Way, which is pretty much a post-grunge song with, like, southern rock leanings. Yeah, um, it's the only song marked as explicit on the album. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. It's also the first song you can do the running man to. What is what is explicit about it? I don't remember. I don't remember. He says the F word. I was too busy making the Harm's Way running man joke to <laughs> listen to the lyrics that hard closely. Oh, the... The Harm's Way running man. Okay. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is the first song you can do the running man to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just another grunge song with some thrash influence. It's it's groovy. It's a little catchy. Yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of kind of around this middle point of the album. Like every song starts off a little promising to me because I'm I'm like oh this you know this riff's pretty good. Like this could go somewhere, but it just kind of drops the ball around the middle. Like it just does the same thing over and over. Yeah, and they like start it. off with a cool riff, and then they're like, okay, now back to what works. Yeah, it's just like no, like there's very, very few um, explorative moments or trying to do something. I mean, there is, but there isn't. I mean, it's like they're doing shit like country song and the space rock type thing. Like there is weird yeah. shit on the album, but it's like, for the most part, the songs that they just start out and end feeling like they've done the same thing three they've times. They've done nothing, really. They, so, don't, they start to explore and then give up halfway through. Yeah, exactly. But it's, I mean, like, it's like when you go to your kitchen to get a snack <laughs> and you realize you're out of chips, you just fucking give up. Yeah, you just open the fridge and just look at it for two minutes and then realize you have nothing and then five minutes later you do it again. Yeah, it's <laughs> Just like, hoping something appears in there. This is the Sims of thrash metal. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good comparison. Okay. The Sims of thrash metal. It's like, well, why am I here again? Why did I walk in the bathroom for what the third time in a row? I just pissed. What's yeah. going on here? Uh, but at least we do get some nice ASMR of somebody. Oh my god, can't talk. Nice ASMR of someone eating an apple and giggling for whatever reason at the end. So yeah, I guess that's a nice touch. You just hear like, <laughs> like okay. <laughs> Whatever, Scott. Like, yeah, like, I was also assuming it was probably Scott Ian doing that. <laughs> he just he just seems like a goofy fellow. I mean, if you're the fucking rhythm guitarist of a band and you're the mo- the member that like ninety percent of the public can name out of anybody, then you got to be a pretty. I have I have always assumed he was the vocalist. You got to be a pretty goofy guy. He's to... the only guy from Anthrax I've ever fucking heard of. Exactly, it's like Fallout Boy. Like Pete Wentz is the fucking bassist and. I mean, I can name every member of Fall Out Boy, uh, we but got Pete Wentz, Patrick Stump, Andy Taylor, uh, the drummer. That's I, I know his name, but I can't think of it right now. But either way, like um, I like I feel like you have to have a a weird out there personality, or I guess the looks in Pete Wentz's sense to be not a guitar like i feel like every other band it's like either the vocalist or the, or the guitarist out of the most well-known i think the only band i can name every member of is a big sevenfold really i can't actually i can't name their drummer now i don't know who the fuck he is <laughs> yeah it was brooks wackerman for a minute yeah i have no idea who it is now it might um, still be brooks wackerman maybe um, you can't name every he, member does... of green day oh well there's only three no i can't name the fourth guy 
He's not an official member. He is now. No, he was. Now he's not. A... Okay. So yeah, then I can name every member of Green Day. Blink um, One Eighty Two. I can name every member of Blink One Eighty Two. Okay. Yeah. But they don't count. There's only three of them. It's it's, it's a lot easier. Than... Um. Let's see. Every member of Chicago. <laughs> every member of Chicago. Um. You got uh... guy that shot himself. <laughs> um. I got what was his name? I think his name was Alex. I don't know. That's all I got. I just know he shot himself. Rest in peace to that guy. We're going to cover the Chicago Christmas album for Christmas. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not making that promise. I'll probably want to listen to that album. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm going to get your parents on for that episode. <laughs> yeah, that could be a good one for them. It's, just, it's actually just going to be your parents and my in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we're just not going to be in it at all. Um, So we get to Hogtide, which opens up like a Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just fucking goes nowhere. Yeah, this one does have some uh, Bon Jovi-esque talk box in it, though. You yeah, yeah, it has some really cool parts. They just aren't fleshed out enough for me to fucking care. Yeah, like there's some parts that spice it up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's got the same deal going on as Born Again, Idiot, and Killing Box. I, I think this one's a little bit catchier and a little more memorable than those two. Yeah, but it's still... It doesn't have Phil Anselmo, though, so what's the point, really? Yeah, true. But yeah, it's, it's still just like, eh. Like, it's just kind of there. I can name it of Pantera, I think. Can you? I think there's only three of them. No. Oh, there's a fourth one? Yeah, the bassist. Oh, fuck, they have a bassist. Think uh, Jurassic Park and... <laughs> Rex Brown is his name. I was like, Velociraptor? <laughs> Velociraptor Jones. <laughs> Velociraptor Jones, yeah. I think Rex Brown and uh, George Lucas. Oh, yeah, Velociraptor Jones. Oh, there we go, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Velociraptor Jones. Okay, Rex Brown. I can have every member of Dinosaur Jr. Dinosaur? Uh, you got Stegosaurus. You got, uh... Uh, Littlefoot. Littlefoot. Petrie. Sarah. There we go. Okay. Uh, Ducky. Okay, yeah. Spike. And Chomper. Okay. Yeah, I forgot that they were a seven-piece. <laughs> Damn. That would be a good, uh... Maybe sometime we can, uh do a youtube channel of us playing trivia music related trivia that could that could be fun that could be fun because yeah. both of us are just kind of randomly savants when it comes to obscure trivia mostly when you're talking uh music or horror movies but not good horror movies yeah not good not horror good movies. Horror. i haven't seen most of the good horror movies eh, i've seen a lot of the good ones but there are some that i just haven't let's see um we're not we're not gonna go over the list right now. <laughs> We've gone over too many fucking lists because I'm I'm tired of talking about this album. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a drudge to get through. Uh, so we get the big fat, big fat, uh, which is unfortunately not about famous um, Hispanic hip hop artist Joe. <laughs> if only it was. Uh, I don't yeah. think he was. I don't think he was making music yet, or at least not like in the public eye. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, just more mid. Um, Yay, let's see, uh, the intro's cool, uh, and it has a sick solo, but other than that, it's just fucking grunge. Yeah, the only memorable part is around the 4 minutes and 30 second mark, there's like a really, it might be like in the middle of the solo or something, or at the end of it, but there's just like a really long wailing sound that I genuinely could not tell if it was vocals or guitar. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like I don't... I don't know what the fuck it was. Like, I'm leaning more guitar because it doesn't seem like something John Bush would have the vocal range to pull off. Because <laughs> it sounded like a fucking Rob Halford scream on, like, yeah. fucking crack. It's like, probably it, guitar. It maybe, was, like, so maybe high Maybe through a talk box? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that could be. Because it, it does have, like, the vocoder, like, vowel sound. 
it, yeah, it's just like a really weird sound. Like it sounds like it's either like guitar feedback or I don't yeah I don't know. It was just really weird. It just went on for like twenty seconds and it was kind of hurting my head. I was like, what the fuck is yeah. this? Um, so that song, a big fat, I don't fucking care. <laughs> um, then we get to Cup of Joe. Uh, another short one. Yeah. Thank God. Scott Ian's doing the vocals on this one. Scott Ian's doing the vocals on this yeah. one. Okay. I can immediately tell because I've heard him, I've heard him talk and it, <laughs> the way he does his vocals sounds like him talking. Like, yeah. he has like a thick New York accent. Um, it's, it's literally just a song about coffee. Yeah. He's just like, give me, he's like, uh. Give me my cup of joe. Give me my cup of joe. I need some fucking coffee. Just like, and it gets like progressively faster um, as it goes. The one note I have sounds like if Psycho Stick made fun of Napalm Death. That's a good comparison. It's, yeah. it's exactly what it is. Yeah, because it's like, it's it kind of starts off more of a punky song, but it gets very, very fast. So it kind of turns into like a grindcore song. Yeah, like it gets faster like as it goes. He just, yeah, he's just very fast. Like, I really need a cup of joe. I really need a cup of joe. Like, just over and over. You can tell that he like, they were like, man, the, the label really wants... What, like 13 songs? Is that how many songs are on this album? Something like that, yeah. It's Maybe like, man, even the label more. really wants a 13th song. Yeah. And Scott Ian's just fucking, just down 13 cappuccinos. Like, God damn it, I need my coffee. <laughs> my he coffee. just did a fat fucking line of coke. He's <laughs> like, I fucking got you guys. Play something. <laughs> Play something, fellas. <laughs> Give me my cup of joe. It's like talking, <laughs> he was like, looking at them like the band of the Titanic. <laughs> That's a really good comparison, though. Psycho Stick trying to uh, make fun of Napalm Death. Yeah. Um, fucking. Oh yeah, where I was, I was gonna mention this. You, I feel like this is something you would randomly know the answer to. Why the fuck do people call it a cup of Joe? What did that come from? I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look that up after the podcast, and we'll find out. Yeah. And I, we're not gonna tell you guys. You have to Google your fucking selves. Yeah. Do your own work. Do Stop your, being lazy. Do your own research. <laughs> We do so much research for you guys. We can't tell you why it's called a cup of joe. We can't. And then we go to a uh, alpha male. <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> this one sounds like if you hired a dad rock band to write a metal song. I could see that. Like if you were like, "Hey, Jimmy Buffett." <laughs> oh god, rest in peace, sweet prince. <laughs> rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Can you give me something fucking heavy? Give me something heavy, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, I. I can see that. I, I really like, really like the riff in this one. It kind of kind of harkens back to a classic Anthrax sound to me. The song overall doesn't really. It's really just that opening riff. But I mean, it's a decent song. Like it's it's all right. I would say it's probably my favorite song since uh, Inside Out, which was the third track on the album. Yeah, we had a real big line of shit. Yeah, but even then, I don't like it as much as inside out or catharsis like it's, yeah it's just kind of it's just kind of a, a, a minor step up from the past like six songs <laughs> yeah um also i don't know if you noticed but in the chorus he sounds almost exactly like uh brent from shinedown yeah almost uh, exactly yeah okay i did get that i remember there was one part that i thought that where i was like this sounds like brent smith but okay it was alpha male um it also has a really like pop punk little solo Mm, I don't remember that. It's just like um, octaves. It kind of sounds yeah. like the solo from um, got that one good Charlotte song. Oh, uh, um, don't want to be just like you. Uh, this the, is anthem. the anthem. Yeah, the yeah. anthem. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, but it's another like it's an okay song. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Uh, then we get to stealing from a thief. Mm -hmm. I really like the riff for this one too, just like I did for Alpha Male. Um, 
kind of goes for like a stoner doom metal feel, uh, which is different. It's kind of a slower paced start. Uh, then it kind of goes into like new metal hard rock for the remainder of the song. Um, I had a different vibe from it. Really? Actually. Uh, so the, the intro riff is good, mm-hmm. but it also sounds almost exactly like Seven Bitter Blossoms by CKY. Beings? Yeah, se- Seven Bitter Beings. <laughs> seven Sorry. Bitter Blossoms. <laughs> bitter, bl- bitter Blossom is a magic card. I've played okay. a lot of magic together. <laughs> okay, I was like, Blossom Beings? Seven Bitter Beings, but like the... Which that riff fucks. It does. That riff does fuck. Then it just turns into an Alice in Chains B-side. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I heard Alice in Chains B side. Okay, but... I heard a little more like new metal. Uh, Alice in Chains is the most new metal of the grunge bands. Yeah, yeah, maybe. which is a weird thing to say. Uh, I think that is a brand new sentence. <laughs> I don't think that's ever been said before. <laughs> uh, but you've heard it here, folks. Um, put it on my tombstone. Alice in Chains is the new metal of grunge. <laughs> I mean, they were probably the most metal. I mean, besides maybe Soundgarden. But yeah. I also know the least Soundgarden out of yeah, I wasn't the big four, quote unquote. I don't think that's an official thing, but in my mind, Nirvana. There is a, there is a big four of grunge, and it's Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yeah, yeah. Out of those four, I know the least by Soundgarden, but what I've heard, they seem like the most metal beside like them and Alice in Chains. But yeah, well, Alice okay. in Chains is more like Prague. Uh, I don't know how to describe them. Because, uh, I don't know, Alice in Chains, very talented band, rest in peace, Lane Steely. Staley? Staley, whatever the fuck his name is. Rest in peace, my guy. <laughs> You're gonna get us cancelled. People are gonna be like, what the fuck is... I'm not good with names. <laughs> that like, is why I can only name the members of, like, five bands. Austin called Alice in Chains new metal and then said Lane Steely. <laughs> Lane, Lane Steely, Steely Dan. Dan. <laughs> my favorite band, Staley Dan. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, the solo no. in "Stealing from the Thief" rips pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and also at about a minute left. Uh, oh yeah, that's funny. Also, I said the solo on this one is hands down the best on the album, in my opinion. <laughs> so good. But it would be nine bag. Yeah, honestly, it probably was. Um, but then also, this kind of does a weird thing that what was it? Toast to the extras did where it just had like a random little extra song part at the end like uh about a minute left on the wrong time of stealing for a thief it stops for like a second and then it just picks up with like this super cool fast-paced thrash riff with some like really good drumming like it's kind of this whole um like the the drum beat and the guitars kind of are hitting on the offbeat of each other so it's like this really cool like kind of technical thrash feeling riff um and at first, I, at first, I thought it was going to be an entirely new song, and I was like, "Oh shit, this song sounds like it's going to go fucking hard." But no, it just it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it just is the last minute of the song closes out with that, and it doesn't do anything else. Like Scott Ian, if you're listening, and I know you are, <laughs> why? Yeah, I was like, this could have easily been probably the best song on the album if, like, just from the one minute we got of that riff, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it could have been an incredible album closer. Yeah, and then it stopped, and I looked up, and it was at the last song, and I was like, what? And I went back, and I was like, okay, you just forced this in on the last minute of the album, which, uh, in retrospect, makes a little more sense after I researched the album, because the last track, Pieces, was actually a hidden track. Oh. But on Spotify, it shows up as yeah, its own track. Yeah, because they don't have hidden tracks on Spotify, really. I mean, there's... Usually, it'll just play, like, 
in the song that it was hidden from. Yeah, but in a lot of them, it's also just its own track on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, actually, now that you say I don't know. But, yeah, without the pretext of it, I just thought, which, I mean, it makes sense as an album closer because it's an acoustic song, which I feel like is a pretty popular way to close out an yeah, album that's um, not acoustic. Yeah, this is Pieces, by the way. I don't know if we said that. Yeah, uh, It's pieces. a really weird album closer. Yeah. Um, I really don't like it. It's really corny and dull kind of gives me like every rose has its thorn by poison yeah, vibes um, it feels like it could have been written by blind melon but like blind melon yeah. would have written a better song yeah i kind of could see that but... uh, blind melon uh notably my favorite grunge band <laughs> yeah blind melon was a was a good band rest in peace uh shannon hoon i think shannon is his hoon. name almost said shannon daly <laughs> shannon daly <laughs> Car- no, no relation to carson <laughs> um but yeah, I really don't like it. It doesn't work at all. And I feel a little bad not liking it as much as I do because this was done by, um, I think, Frank Bello does the vocals on this song. And it is about his brother, I think, that got shot outside of his apartment and killed in, like, the early 90s, and they never found the, oh, the perpetrator. Like, it's an unsolved mystery. And I was like, damn, I feel bad, because as soon as I heard it, I was like, this fucking sucks. I feel bad, because it's not a good song. <laughs> it's not a good song. And it also makes sense that it's not, uh, what's-his-face singing it? Bush, John Bush. Yeah. Because I was like, this does not sound like him, but also, he hasn't really gone for this vibe yet, so I was like, it could have been. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it's just another, like, acoustic grunge song. Yeah, just not not really good at it's all. Not... But, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like a glam power ballad in a way as well. Yeah. Like, it, it really reminds me of If Ever Rose Has Its Thorn. Uh, yeah, uh, just... It's like a thousand candles in the wind. Yeah, just not, just not that good. I don't know. But, like I was saying, like, that being... <clears throat> a hidden track makes more sense. That stealing from a thief ended with that weird thing. Because I guess they were trying to be like, oh, we'll, we'll go off the album with a bang. Like, a very heavy, crazy riff to go... Yeah. To close out the album yeah, that, makes a, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah, because going from that straight... Because I'm sure it also had, you know, on the CD, it probably had a good chunk of silence between that yeah. ending and the beginning. But but going straight from that riff to a fucking acoustic song, I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. why would you do that? It's, it's really weird. Um, Let's bring back hidden tracks. Yeah, bring them back. Like, we also said that for K-Fed. <laughs> I think so, too, yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had a hidden track. I, I think hidden tracks were when we as a society were the most in tune. Um, but now the only thing I have to wait for after the art is done is Marvel movies. <laughs> and I can just look those up on YouTube. Yeah. And now we have fucking artists putting out like 28 song fucking double albums every six months. And I'm like, please stop. Please stop. I cannot listen to all this music. I have a podcast to do. That's just why I don't listen to a lot of like... I mean, I listen to newer rap, but I don't listen to a lot of newer like pop and tr- like mainstream rap like shit like drake and stuff like that because it's like god damn they're putting like putting out like 30 song albums like literally every like six months yeah and i'm like how the fuck do you expect me to listen to this and even remember a single song it's like it's all gonna run together it's just like yeah like we're, it's like it feels like we're going back to the 60s where an album was just like 15 songs that you threw at a dartboard and you're like one of them's gonna stick yeah yeah exactly it's like it's just it's just giving like like you put out three singles and then put those three singles on the album and all those are going to be 
all over the radio, and you're just like, eh, just put whatever the fuck else I recorded on the rest of the album. Yeah, like, albums that are cohesive have kind of died recently. Yeah. And, like, yes, this is an old head-ass take for me to have, but I like it much better when an album is a cohesive unit yeah. that works together and means something. Yeah, I mean, shit like that's still out there. Like, even in rap, like, Denzel Curry yeah, but is, it's, a, it's is a great example. Find, it's not something you find in the mainstream anymore. It used yeah. to be, like, especially in, like, the yeah, even in the mainstream. 2000s it was in the mainstream, like, albums were meant to be listened to as a whole. Yeah, I mean, even... And, I mean, the problem is not albums being long, it's being long being and not filler cohesive. yeah because yeah. it's like even even like fucking uh oh this just came first in my mind like the eminem show by eminem it's like a fucking hour-long album it yeah. has like eight 17 or 18 songs but every song is pivotal to the album yeah every song is important yeah which eminem doesn't even do that anymore like old kanye like those albums or at least like college dropout and late registration were very long albums no. but uh, what we're saying is bring back <laughs> skips yeah, bring back skits. But yeah, or, or even like a recent example, uh, Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler the Creator. Like, yeah. it's a it's a long album. I think it's like 19 songs, but like every song is good. Like none of it feels like filler. And the songs are obviously meant to be listened to in that specific order. Yeah, so it's like, just do that. Like it's not, I mean, it is an old head take, but at the same time, it's like either learn how to have some quality control or just split it up in two albums and wait like a year and a half, two years to release them. It's yeah, like, like you could just... You're, you're, let's say you're Drake. You're fucking famous. Yeah. You have to release an album because of contractual reasons. Yeah. Record two 15-minute albums in, a, in, in like, 30 days. Just fucking sit on it. Yeah. You don't have to fucking, like, fuck you. Just fucking sit on it. Yeah, exactly. Release it as two different 15-track albums. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I haven't listened to Drake since. If you're reading this, it's too late because it's just quantity I stopped quality. listening to Drake because of the whole Ghost Rider shit. Ghostwriter shit. Uh, yeah, Drake doesn't write like most of the music. Oh, I've heard. I'm a fucking. This, this is what I've heard. I'm not saying this is fact. No, I've heard that. I'm a fucking idiot. You said Ghostwriter or writer, and, and you I heard thought it was Ghostwriter. Yeah, and I was like, what? It's yeah, like, him and Nicholas Cage. <laughs> fucking. Beef. Oh man. Um, but I'm not saying it is fact. Uh, this is not a fact. This is something I have heard. That's as why. Remember. That's why him and Pusha T had that beef because Pusha T called him out for having Ghostwriter. So did uh, Kendrick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, either way, that's that's kind of a besides the point rant, but I guess kind of makes sense because this album is also very long for no reason. <laughs> yeah, this album is another one that is fits in that same vein. If you want, this is a completely off off topic, but if you want an album, if you want a band that only re- releases albums that are cohesive units, Coheed and Cambria. Not only are their albums cohesive units, their discography is mostly a single cohesive unit that tells one fucking story. Yeah. Yeah, I still haven't listened to much Coheed. I, I need, need to. to. What? You need to. <laughs> I thought you said I need you to. <laughs> I need you to. <laughs> you need me to. <laughs> I will I will murder you if you don't. Oh uh, damn. Well, I mean, what have I got to lose? <laughs> um, you won't be able to listen to K Fed's next album that's coming out in twenty twenty four. Fuck no. Uh, if you didn't know it, we were actually working with K Fed to crowdfund an album. What if? That would be amazing. That is, if, if this podcast take off, takes off, you can bet I'm going to fucking reach out to K-Fed and get an album together. That would be fucking amazing. That would I'm going to get K-Fed and um, uh, the fucking alien rap sky's son. Yeah. Um, we're going to put together a super group. The remaining uh, members of the Shags. The remaining members of the Shags. Billy uh, Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> Uh, he might be a little bit outside the, the fucking roundhouse here. <laughs> he might be a little too big. Eh, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe the other guy from that album. 
Yeah, whatever his name was, the drummer. Uh, yeah, we're going to put together... We're going to resurrect Lou Reed. We're going to resurrect Lou Reed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to put together a super group. <laughs> super group. Uh, called uh, One Last Breath. Yeah. There it's we go. Gonna be, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so, share this with all your friends so that that can become a reality. <laughs> uh, what are your favorite songs in the album? Um, I got... Catharsis and Inside Out are the only two songs on this album that I would ever go out of my way to listen to again. <laughs> I actually really enjoy both of those. And then a third one, just because I wanted to give at least three, is Alpha Male. But even then, it's just just a slight step above my other or the other songs on the album for me. So I, I think I think it's just Catharsis and Inside Out. Okay, I, I'm not even gonna try to pick a third one. <laughs> what about your least favorite songs? Um, PNV, Toast okay. to the Extras, uh-huh. and unfortunately, Pieces. Yeah, mine are Toast to the Extras, Killing Box, and Pieces are my, my least three favorite. Killing Box sounds like a shitty Batman cartoon. A shitty Batman cartoon? Oh, oh, like the, like yeah. the Killing Joke. The Killing Joke, yeah. Yeah, which is a good Batman story arc. Yeah, have you seen the movie of it? Or is it a movie or a show? It was um, recent. I believe there is an animated movie. Uh, yeah. I have HBO Max. I can watch all of this shit. I need yeah. to. Um, I forget. Is Killing Joke the one... That's the one where Barbara Gordon gets paralyzed, right? By Joker, yeah. Yeah, what's the one I, I where... Read the... um, not Damian Wayne. Um, fucking the other... <laughs> it's not Damian Wayne. And it's not... God, the, the fucking Robin that gets killed. Oh. That turns into Red X. Uh, it's not Damian Wayne. It's not Dick Grayson. It's the third one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's know. not Barbara, Barbara Gordon, who is also a Rob. The Batman lore is really weird. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of weird shit. I mean, comics in general. <laughs> but Batman's like the weird... Like, there have been so many Robins. Yeah. I um, mean, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, where they, like, had fans vote if they wanted to... Who they wanted to kill off or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that was called. I think it was called like the, uh, the long, the long winner. Something like that. I think it was like, well, I the, think the long winner is a, is a, uh, Mr. Freeze story arc. I don't fucking, <laughs> we're not comic guys. I want to get into comics, but I, I'm an entry level comic guy. Like I've, I've read a decent amount, but also there's, so much fucking well, out there. back when DC used to have the app that had all of their comics on it. They don't have that anymore? I don't think so. If they do, I want to get back in, because I was reading all of the New 52 storylines. Yeah, I've read I've read a decent amount of that. The New 52 um, Suicide Squad's really good. And I'm, so is the one after that. That was... It was it was another thing that was like kind of a semi-continuation rebranding yeah. of the New 52. Uh, the New 52 was good enough that it had me reading Batman and Superman. Yeah. I've never read Superman. And uh, people who know me know that I don't... I think Superman is the dumbest superhero. I also do not like Superman. Um, Too OP. I, I think Superman has one good comic arc. <laughs> Doomsday, where he fucking dies. It is dies. the death and rise of Superman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's all I've read of Superman. But I love Batman. Killing Joke's really fucking good. I don't like Batman. I like everything else about the Batman universe. Dark Knight, uh, the Frank Miller one, overrated in my opinion. I thought it was very underwhelming. Yeah. Batman Year One, pretty good. That's another good one. Yeah, I did read Batman Year One. Okay, well, that's enough about fucking comics. <laughs> Sorry, this album is so boring. We're finding other things I mean, to talk about. Comics are in tune with Anthrax. They wrote comics a lot about comics. Anthrax. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, anyways, yeah, those are our least favorite. 
Uh, do you have any lyrics? I can't get no, any. No, no. Except for Cup of Joe. Give me my fucking Cup of Joe. I need my fucking coffee. Yeah, most of it was just, just there. There there are legally lyrics on this album. There's legal lyrics and vocals, but that's about the extent. But yeah, um, I mean, I couldn't really think of anything else to do instead of lyrics. Uh, or maybe we could do um, what? So now that we've covered the first four of, we got halfway through these uh, thrash bands. We've got halfway through four. the thrash bands. We've got we've got one from each of the big four. Do you have any predictions? Do you think? Do you think uh, any... Metallica is the worst? Which one do you think Saint Anger is going to be worse than Lulu? I don't. I think that Kirk Hammett could fucking kill <laughs> my entire family <laughs> with in his front bar. of me with his whammy bar. <laughs> And I would still be like, thank you for not releasing a second Lulu. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that... I think Lulu is probably going to stay the worst. I think Diabolus and Musica is going to be my favorite. And I think I like Super Collider more than Diabolus and Musica. I think Super Collider and Diabolus and Musica are going to be my one and two. But I think I like Diabolus and Musica a little better. I think it's going to be hard to decide one and two. But and then I think... I think I'm going to enjoy every one of the worst, quote-unquote, that we've already covered more than the second worst besides Metallica. I think I'm going to enjoy Super Collider, Volume 8, and Diabolus and Musica more than those bands' second lowest rated albums. I already know from Megadeth that I like Super Collider infinitely more than their second lowest rated, because I've heard it at risk. That that album sucks, in my opinion, so I already know I'm going to not like that. But then, I don't know for Anthrax and Slayer, but I just kind of have a feeling I'm going to like these more than I, than I that. have a feeling that Anthrax is once again going to be boring. I, yeah, I feel um, like it's probably going to be very close. Just because I am I am not an Anthrax fan. I feel like they're going to be like smack dab right in the middle, like both of the Anthrax albums for both yeah. of us. Like they're just going to kind of be they're there. just going to kind of exist somewhere in limbo. Yeah, and then the rest is going to be like, this sucks completely. I, I know for a fact Metallica is going to be lowest rung. Uh, because I don't even like their good stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it's going to be a big toss-up between Megadeth and Slayer. Yeah, I feel like the top four might just be Megadeth and Slayer. I think it's going to be a big toss-up between Megadeth and Slayer. Yeah. Um, I, I think we should give them points based on their ranking to decide which band is the best. <laughs> which band is the best for, for the worst? <laughs> yeah, which band is the best for their worst. Okay. Um, obviously, so like... Start at five points in the middle uh-huh. and go up or down. Oh, so there's eight albums. Yeah. So the middle one, like their ranking, is how many points they get. So number one gets eight points. Number eight gets. Uh, yeah. Points. And then see, add the two together and see who yeah. has the high. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's my a good idea. prediction: Metallica gets a three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it'll probably be from from bottom to top. Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer is my prediction. I, I, I'm, we're going to have to see with Anthrax and Slayer. Yeah. Or not Anthrax, Man. Megadeth and Slayer. Yeah. Should be interesting, though. Um, so what is the... Uh... <laughs> we go in and we're like, St. Anger's the fucking best. St. Anger's a good album. Good album. <laughs> uh, they give trash kids to the frogs. <laughs> were you going to ask the uh, aggregate score? What was the aggregate score? It was uh, 2.52. 2.52. Mm-hmm. So that's a, uh, a 5.04 mm-hmm. out of 10. Middle of the road. Yeah, just right, right there in the middle. Um, I think it's a little low. You think a little? Low? I think ultimately, I enjoyed listening to this album more than a middle of the road enjoyment. Okay. 
Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's very low. Mm-hmm. I I think I I think I'm gonna give it a six point one two. Okay. I probably will give it a five point seven. Okay. Five point yeah. seven. Yeah. Well, like it's it's very middle of the road. Like like five point seven zero. Yeah. 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 Five point seventy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the seven zero seventy same thing. Um, I get five point seventy, so like right, yeah, a little bit better than the aggregate, but it's not much better than the aggregate. Yeah, uh, but it is more enjoyable than not enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, you got some, you got two of what I think are actually good songs, and you got some, you got some weird moments that can stand out a little bit, some goofy moments like Cup of Joe, but then the rest of it just kind of equals out to to make it just a step above mid. So, yeah, not um, the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, Does it deserve another breath? I don't think so. Uh, I, mean, I don't think you should listen to this album. Yeah, there's really no reason to. Like, even the good songs I don't think are good enough to where I'm like, you need to listen to these. Like, they're just kind of above average hard rock songs. Yeah, they're just good in the context of the album, yeah. honestly. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, in a vacuum, they're good songs. Yeah. But if you take into account music. Uh, yeah. music exists music 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 exists what uh but yeah and then even like the goofy and weird parts aren't like goofy or weird enough to be like you should listen to them you know you might get a good laugh they're just kind of it's kind of well, a little quirky but not too much yeah it's like the hold up sport humor yeah it's just eh, like unless you're a huge anthrax fan or if you're a John Bush fan, maybe you love Armored Saint. I've never listened to them. I've heard the name before. Didn't know that that's why he was from while I was I, researching it. I think they're like a power metal band. Okay. Which... Yeah, vocally, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, unless you fit into any of those categories, or you're just like a fucking completionist like I am and want to listen to every album by all the big four members, then... Yeah, I don't think it really deserves one last breath. No, not at all. Um, well, we will see you next week. Uh, with something hopefully a little more quirky. Hopefully. See you next week.